Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Catherine Spindor, the Chief Administrative Officer in the House of Representatives, and Alan Thompson, the Chief Information Officer for the U.S. House of Representatives as well. Catherine, Alan, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Thanks for having me. And we're also joined by my colleague, Jory Heckman, once again. Jory, uh, always great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Joey. So let me start at the beginning here. The reason why we're having this conversation with Catherine and Alan is earlier this year, there was a hearing on the modernization of the House. And one of the things that you all testified around is the digital modernization and the efforts that are going on, more digital services, really helping members of the House and their staffs connect not only together, but also connect with the citizens of the country. So let me start at the beginning here. This digital modernization effort's been ongoing, and it seems like the chief administrative officer is really promoting shared services. So Catherine, Lead us off. Why is this concept of shared services so important to you all? Where is it going? Where are you today? The CAO has inherently always been shared services. It's just that for digital service, we're bringing in that service as a new service to offer. And Alan's team is heading that up. But all of the services that we offer and support within the CAO is with the member in mind and their staff. And we have almost 100 services that we provide within the CAO, all geared at providing what we hope to be excellent support to the member offices. And a couple of years ago, there was some mention of digital service. And then, of course, it became a recommendation with the Modernization Committee. We are indeed very excited about this service. I think you know there's, there's been a gap and there's a lot of members, caucuses, organizations within the House and committees that are trying to achieve various things with technology. And, and many times they don't have their own technology staff and maybe they don't know how. And so they may go out for that. They may spend on some consultants or they may just start with Google. And we'd like to sort of fill that gap for them. And what we'd really like to see is this house digital service be fully operational by this summer. And so we're hiring for this now. We hope to have the team on board and functioning. And we're going to have several different roles in this. We'll have a product manager role. We'll have a user experience designer as well as software engineers. And we really hope to bring capability to rapidly develop or maybe just consult on how an organization within the house member committee or leadership office or a conference or the caucus wants to achieve something and so we really hope to be that resource there that can help them do that in addition to just hiring our own ftes and getting that going we also hope to bring on some fellows from the u.s digital service as well as tech congress we have a fellow coming aboard from them uh and we are also in talks with the national labs for the same. And so they they bring a lot of perspective and experience having their own digital service. And we hope that we'll be able to offer a compelling offer. And then we may add additional staff depending on how this effort goes. Alan, it's really good news the way you're breaking this down, the product manager role. What do you really want to accomplish? Okay, who are the people you want to serve? Okay, now let's get to the software side. That's the Mm -hmm. thinking to help the member, the caucus, the committee, whomever, really break down really what their end goal is. Correct. I mean, many times they're they're just trying to solve a problem or support a bill or some sort of effort, and they either want a different way to get that message out. Uh, They want a way that maybe won't land them on a spam house block list. You know, several different things. They may want to try 
try something completely new and vote for leadership using their phones or something like that. And a lot of times it just seems like, okay, they've got these great ideas and they have great teams that want to accomplish these things, but they may not necessarily have the boots on the ground to know how to or to get it done. So it may not be always that we build something or write that software, but I think we can take their requirements, ask what they're trying to achieve, and then help them to reach that solution. And just let me jump in here. Just advise them on what might be a good solution. You know, we have almost a hundred cloud products that we've approved for use in the house. And many times when a member office comes to us needing help, we can refer them to something that we've already approved that's already available that they can make use of. So I think it's getting out and reaching out to the member offices and really helping them with the concerns they have and what direction to go in. One thing that occurs to me is why now versus why not a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago? Was there something that kind of occurred to you? Is there that aha moment of, okay, now's the time for digital services office versus, well, we could have set it up a year ago or five years ago or whenever. Well, I would think that the thing that probably moved the needle forward is there has been a lot of discussion about digital service in um, many areas, including Gartner. And I know other federal agencies have developed their own digital service staff and are making use of it. You know, we have traditionally been a typical IT support group. We support major applications like PeopleSoft and our HR and payroll applications, these large Oracle and other products that have been traditional. And that served us well, but I think just since we really started integrating Office 365 and going to the cloud with so many other things that we started realizing that there was a real need for us to be able to provide consultative services and help with the development of some of these newer products that are automated in a way in which you don't have to know a lot about the standard way to program. They're very low code, no code type applications. Alan's bringing in Appian as one of those that we could possibly use. We have robotic type process automation that we've been looking at. So this was just a good time to do that. The time was right. The enthusiasm is there. And I think industry experts are backing us with ideas and how it's being used in other places. I'd love to hear more about the demand side of things. Of course, you know, even before the pandemic, I'm sure some lawmakers were asking for video conferencing capabilities, things of that nature. And we really saw that from 2020 onward really accelerate. And so from a trends analysis side of things, what kinds of goods and services have lawmakers been asking for more of in the past couple of years? And how has CAO been able to meet those demands? There was really not a lot of enthusiasm for the Zoom, WebEx, those Microsoft Teams until the pandemic. And there was a real need for it. And we worked almost 7 by 24 during the early months of the pandemic to try to get an offering of all of these three products in place so that they could be used during the at-home work, off-site. I mean, the house has been a very overall conservative group of individuals that 
want to come together. It was important that they be there for the hearings. It was important that they be there for voting and legislation and other things. And that was their world. That's how they work together to pull people in and have side discussions and things of that sort. So while there was some interest among the staff on other products like WebEx and things of that sort. There wasn't a big roar from the crowd until we knew we were going to have to be working remotely. And then we went into action to bring in WebEx and Zoom. We had thankfully a couple of years before 2019 implemented Microsoft Office 365 and Teams. We used it a great deal for meetings within the CAO, but it was not used widely within the member offices and staff. Some of the staff used it, some of them didn't. The pandemic really forced us to go to these platforms. And I can tell you there are thousands and thousands of Microsoft team meetings every single week. It's something like about seven or 8,000, isn't it? Well, we're, we're actually trending more. around 10, 10 to 12,000 yeah. per week now of team so, meetings. And the WebEx hearings, even though for the most part, they're back in session or have been over the past week, there's still a significant number of hybrid hearings going on. And I really think that will continue because let's face it, we all got a little accustomed to working from home. We found out, guess what? The government doesn't shut down because we're working from home. We're able to do this. We can make this happen and it's effective. And quite honestly, in many cases, we find out that our staff were very attentive to work and probably worked more because they could work at all hours of the day and night. Yes, I fully agree. Some of the other things that I think we've seen these trends have been the district office and the DC office communications and have actually gotten better since we've been remote, since now everybody is remote or had been. Uh, we've seen that increase. Our team's usage for calls and for meetings and just text has gone up significantly and continues to do so. We really did bring on WebEx and Zoom for hearing support, and that has been a huge enabler of continuing our operation. I don't know where we would have been without it. Let's put it that way. We kept the legislation process going, basically. And I will um, point out that these the members have gotten very good at using these tools, which I've been very happy to see. I attended an event the other night hosted by Representative Swalwell, and he was at home with his new baby in his arms while he was doing this meeting. <laughs> the, the members have really taken to, and I think have gotten used to this and have a lot more flexibility now. And we required a lot of hands-on from my teams to support these meetings. And now we're finding that, you know, they're like, oh, we got this. We can make this work. Uh, and that's a very good point. The staff... When we first rolled out WebEx and Zoom and were doing hearings, it was extensive support we had to get up and down the Indeed. scale of committees and everything that they were trying to do. But this year, we've seen it decline less and less and less because their digital directors and on the committees have been very good about understanding it completely. Our technology staff are not as involved as what we were that first summer with the hearings, which required daily meetings on everyone's part, plus just a lot a lot of education to the committees and member offices. So it's becoming the way we work. Agree.
Well, it's great to hear that lawmakers have gotten ahead of the learning curve on this. This has become like a second nature to them. I don't know if this falls squarely within the CAO office you know, responsibility or if this is a broader thing, but I imagine the playbooks for continuity of government, continuity operations have gotten rewritten in some regards, uh, just based on some of the lessons learned from the pandemic, preparing for, you know, future emergencies, if God forbid they happen. So tell me a little bit more about how those playbooks are getting rewritten here. Well, in fact, I've had meetings just recently with our business continuity and disaster recovery staff, and they were paramount in helping us through this pandemic because they took care of ordering and making sure that the PPE was delivered appropriately. They have worked around the clock to make sure that equipment, when it had to be brought in and set up and then mailed out across the country, was handled in in the appropriate way and everyone got what they needed. They working with our tech support staff, our member offices. They've just been just incredible. These are guys that, you know, are all about the mission and want to do what is needed, whether it be a fire in California that they have to reach out and make sure that they are prepared to support and make sure that the office is able to continue function if there's some type of disruption at their district office, or if it's a tornado or a hurricane, or God forbid, some other major type of emergency. So they have been heavily involved in it, and they are currently reviewing and reassessing guidelines and procedures and policies that we would follow follow in case there was a real major issue that disrupted our data centers or disrupted the continuity of government. Well, and certainly you can imagine that maybe previous plans included email and voice, the increased hungriness of bandwidth for, of our applications and the sheer number of devices that any member or staffer might have on the person or be able to use in these events has increased significantly. And so we've been adjusting our infrastructure accordingly. Yeah, that's a great point, Ellen, because before the pandemic, many people did not have laptops that they could take home. And now they have laptops plus an iPad plus a phone and they want a video conference. They want to do this. And they and they want to do this. And they need to be able to do this. And you know, as you can imagine, maybe three to five years ago, there was no planning for having, you know, Zoom be part of your continuity plan or continuity of governments or or teams. Catherine Allen, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversations. My guests today are Catherine Spindor, the Chief Administrative Officer in the House of Representatives, and Alan Thompson, the CIO for the U.S. House of Representatives. I'm also joined by my colleague, Jory Heckman. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. This is Mark Amtower. My show, Amtower Off Center, brings you the best and brightest minds in government sales, marketing, and business development who share insights to help you grow your business how to make content marketing work for you, advice for channel players on how to win more government business, and the real scoop on selling from GWACs and IDIQs. Tune in Mondays at noon on Federal News Network or subscribe to Amtower Off Center on iTunes or Podcast One. Wisdom served daily. Experience the difference of the journalists at Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today, my guests today are Catherine Spindor, 
the chief administrative officer in the House of Representatives, and Alan Thompson, the CIO for the House of Representatives. I'm also joined by my colleague, Joy Heckman. Alan, I want to go back to the digital services offering uh, for a second as well, because I think this kind of builds into this. I know you, you went through, you're going to do some hiring. You hope to get it set up later this year. In the meantime, how are you helping caucuses, offices, members? Uh, there's still that need today that we can't wait till you're ready. We need it today. What, what are some of the, the steps you're taking? Yeah, and, and I think there's a there's a role that Catherine mentioned just a minute ago about digital directors. And this is kind of a, a new role that we're seeing expanding and becoming more of a standard now on committees and member offices and particularly the caucuses and, and so forth. And we are doing regular meetings with them and listening. And what are you trying to achieve? What are you needing to accomplish? What is your agenda and goals down the road? And so right now, even though we only have a couple of folks on the team, there's a lot of outreach going on, reaching out to even chiefs of staff of member offices and you know, what problems are you having? Where's the gaps? And so you can consider it maybe a listening tour, if you will, and going out and understanding, doing a lot of research about what kinds of tools or things or initiatives that they're trying to perform. It's interesting about the digital directors that are coming out. Is, is that something that came from the pandemic or had that started pre-pandemic? It started, yeah, pre-pandemic, but I, I really have seen that group grow. So I, I have a meeting with uh, digital directors every Friday. Uh, so it's a weekly meeting and we're talking about all number of things. You know, they want to start using text more than they do want to start, you say, using email for bulk communications, things like this. I mean, just all the time. I, I think that position is quickly becoming very prevalent on the Hill. And they're not always a technologist themselves, but they are very savvy. They understand the landscape or things that are possible. They are very savvy with social media. So sometimes they just run those campaigns, but really are becoming that sort of liaison between getting technology done to, to match up to the goals of the organization they work for. And it's primarily, you find them primarily in the committee and leadership offices. That's right. So, and they've been incredibly helpful, as I mentioned earlier, in helping us to acclimate to remote hearings and hybrid hearings and things of that sort. I think it's it's a fascinating change because for, as, as I think Catherine said, the Hill is a very conservative place, getting anything like just to mm-hmm. get hearings on, on, you know, on YouTube or, or through a video kind of teleconferencing system, whether it's WebEx or Zoom or Teams or was a big deal. I remember 10 or 12 years ago when from a reporter's perspective, you know, we have to make sure reporters go to the Hill, not just watch it on their video screen because we mm-hmm. we can, you know, it's, it's easy to be lazy in that way. Uh, what's that meant for the uh, CAO's office in terms of supporting all that? The, you know, um, Alan, you mentioned bandwidth increases. What have you seen? What have you been doing to, to kind of either expand your data center or move to the cloud or a little bit of both? From anything from improving Wi-Fi in the buildings, right? These are old historic buildings, lots of concrete and steel. It's hard to get Wi-Fi signal. Wi-Fi is like water now. You just need it. And, um, and so that we've made making a lot of improvements for that just in the buildings and on the house alone. And we have a pilot in the, right now with district offices doing the same. We've also um, put a VPN concentrator out on the West Coast. This this is all about our trying to improve service for the district offices. You know, they're those satellite offices that have two or three people or sometimes one person in them, but still having them be connected and being able to collaborate and use all the same tools that we do here on the Hill. So 
there's a VPN concentrator on the West Coast, and then we opened up two new POPs. POPs being uh, points of presence, if you think, for a national backbone in the Southwest and the Midwest. And so the, all of these offices, we have about 900 some odd district offices out there in the members' home districts that, that need to be connected just like they would be here. And so now these offices can jump on our, our network faster and have less latency getting to our infrastructure services. So in addition to those, all of those cloud services, moving to Office 365 is a huge boon, and I'm, I'm certainly happy that we completed that before the pandemic. That has gone a long way. But I've seen you know, significant VPN traffic, as you can imagine, uh, the number of sessions and bandwidth going through there. So we've been doing bandwidth upgrades across the board, in addition to those two large points of presence and uh, the additional VPN capacity. It's taken us a couple of years, mm -hmm. but it has been well worth the effort and money we've spent to, to extend the network like Alan is explaining. And the number of calls that we've received from member offices but with drop network line uh, connections and everything is has decreased. The, the thing that we have to do better with is when the offices have issues whether it's with their technology or their network, knowing who to call to get help. It, it breaks my heart when one of the uh, district office directors or someone talks about all the, the network issues that we have in our office and we, we were never contacted. I, I don't know who she was talking to, but it never got down to our network staff to where they could, they're willing to do whatever it need, they need to try to improve that either by getting on a plane and flying to the office and checking things out or doing monitoring, checking the bandwidth, whatever to make it better. So, but the communication on what we can do and how we can help we're working on. Well, I actually want to circle back to the, the house uh, digital service piece of things a little bit more. Um, understand that, you know, there's some deadlines in the works here. Fellows are coming in from a bunch of places. USDS is one of them. Uh, you know, I have to wonder with the U.S. digital service already being its own entity and I guess having a playbook for how it got up and running on its own right here, you know, have they shared any kind of resources or any of that playbook with you guys in terms of, here's how we did it, here's how you might be able to do it, and just comparing notes in that regard? Yeah, we've had a number of conversations with USDS about how to set this up, what kinds of, how you might want to organize, what kind of roles you might want to have on those teams. And the same is true from uh, the other national labs, Sandia and Lawrence Livermore. So we have had those discussions. In fact, we have a lot of competition trying to get a resource from USDS. They're very busy and it's been a very popular program and you know i think really where we could probably learn more from them is is how to attract the talent you know i don't think everyone needs to be here but yet this is a very here centric organization so we're going to have to be flexible i think in in how we staff uh, say for the fellows, do they have to be here for a full year, uproot their families and move here, or can they come here, you know, periodically and then go back home and continue to work on these efforts? And so we're we're working on on exactly how to structure that and how how this how we can attract the kind of talent we want to have for this team. I want to just add a comment on how we feel like that the digital service can help improve opportunities for the staff we currently have. 
I've worked in a lot of IT organizations, a lot of corporations over my life, but I can tell you, we have some of the most dedicated, qualified engineers and workers within the IT organization I've ever, I've ever witnessed. They want to learn. And what I am seeing, because I've gotten some phone calls, you know, I understand you're all doing digital service. So is everything that I'm doing going away? And just the contrary, we are going to be giving individuals opportunity to maybe do like an internal little internship with the digital service team to be able to bring up their skill sets to where they could maybe come in and do some of this as well. So there will be a shift and I, I try to look at the employee side of things. There will be a shift in some of the work that's being done to where maybe there's a certain percentage of the work that we have been doing on our backend systems that will shift here. So we want to keep uh, in mind the needs of our dedicated employees to try to help them to get to where they can be part of this as well. Fully agree. The staff is amazing. And to give them an opportunity to rotate in and out on this is going to be a key part of it as well. You know, when you're busy doing operational or long-term projects, it is really hard to take a breather and, and work on a custom something. And so this would be a great opportunity for many of our staff engineers. I think what's so interesting about this partnership, if you want to call it that, is that, you know, it's, of course, USDS sharing some of that technical expertise, but I guess some of that branding expertise, too, because, Catherine, going back to what you're saying about breaks your heart when you hear about, you know, someone in a, in a district office saying the IT doesn't work and, well, you know, here we are, you know, why don't they just reach out mm -hmm. to CAO and, and do something about it? You know, do you see this partnership perhaps offering something in terms of that communication piece, in terms of that visibility piece, in terms of that breaking down silos? Absolutely. And I think that that will go along with a lot of the work that we are doing with our coach programs within the CAO, as well as our customer advocates, as, as well as a number of things that we've started here to be able to be able to better go to where our customer or our member and our staff are. How do we reach out to them effectively? We are deploying the use of every different type of communication you can think of to reach out to our member offices and our district offices and try to help them understand all the services we provide, but also just help them just help them in general. The coach program that we have, previous chiefs of staff, two previous district directors, and they have been doing so much work in trying to reach out to the district offices, try to reach out to the offices here on the Hill in the form of one-on-one -on -one sessions with someone in the district office one-on-one -on -one sessions with a group of district office type, either district office uh, directors or some of their staff who are working with constituent calls and things of that sort yeah. to help them better understand the trials and tribulations and how to deal with the onslaught, many cases of constituent 
guests calling in and asking questions. And these are individuals that are conducting these that have been in their place, understand what they're dealing with and can provide some tips and help and understanding to the staff in these 900 plus offices across the country. So that type of thing, along with the digital service being more proactive and reaching out to member offices and uh, our customer advocates who are assigned to each one of the member offices and stay in regular contact with them. It, it, it has to be a joint effort. It has to be the CAO saying, we are here, we're reaching out to you and we're going to be available if you need us. Catherine, Allen. on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversations. My guests today are Catherine Spindor, the Chief Administrative Officer in the House of Representatives, and Alan Thompson, the CIO for the U.S. House of Representatives. I'm also joined by my colleague, Joy Heckman. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Catherine Spindor, the Chief Administrative Officer in the House of Representatives, and Alan Thompson, the CIO for the House of Representatives. I'm also joined by my colleague, Dre Heckman. Catherine, I appreciate you bringing up the CAO Coach Program. That was definitely on my list to find out more about. So let's maybe broaden the topic a little bit and talk a little about where the CAO Coach Program maybe falls under some of those HR services that you all offer or are offering, as well as the Congressional Leadership Academy. I think that's a newer program that maybe isn't quite ready for launch yet, but it's getting there. Let's start broad yes. and, and then you can take us down to the Leadership Academy. Both of those programs are something I'm incredibly excited about. And we actually kicked off the CAO coach program last June with the four individuals I talked about. We're in the process of hiring two coaches that are ex-legislative staff and member offices to assist in doing the same type of outreach, the same type of one-on-one -on -one training, the same type of communication and support for legislative staff in the member offices. And we hope to have those individuals on board sometime within the next month or so. So these individuals have been a breath of fresh air to the CAO. You know, our motto, that we go by as member-focused, ser member service-driven within the CAO. And we are here to provide the essential services to the member offices and staff. And these individuals totally embody that concept. When they have any type of group sessions, there have been some sessions where there have been more than 400 individuals from different district offices and member offices, DC offices on the call. And the one that they I know had a huge turnout for was to talk about the emotional toll that it will take on you when you are talking to constituents, whether there is some type of disruption with a fire or a tornado or a hurricane, or if it is just the environment and what's going on around the world. So 
that type of information that they can provide to kind of say, this is how you need to handle situations when people call and they're very emotional about something. This is what you need to be thinking about, the type of questions you need to be able to ask to get someone calmed down to where you can talk to them and really help them and get the information that you need from that constituent. So these sessions, while we probably, if it hadn't been for the coaches, we probably internally within the CAO never would have thought that this was something that would have been a very needed type of training. So I am so proud of these people and what they have done and how they're helping the offices. I hear from the offices all the time, you know, this is great. Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful experience. They've helped us so much. So that is a great program. Now the Congressional Leadership Academy, I think is what you're referring to. That was a pilot program that we launched in February. We are doing a pilot program. It will run through May and then in June, we'll assess the effectiveness of it and see if we need to make any changes, small, minor changes or in, improvements to it. But it is geared toward members and their leadership team in the member office. It follows a framework or um, best practices for developing leadership and goal setting practices within the member offices. Some individuals would refer to this as le leadership coaching to try and understand what the member really thinks is important for their mission while they are at the house. And then making sure that their leadership staff in the member office understands that as well and can be supportive in making sure that they were all on board and they're all gonna move forward with what is important for that member office. It really is at the individual member office level. We have six coaches that we have hired and a couple more that we're work, looking at bringing in. And um, I think that it's going to be a great opportunity for members to be able to develop their their office staff their office goals what they want to accomplish and be able to to execute so uh, we're getting a lot of inquiries from member offices since we introduced it we are mm -hmm taking time to talk to the member offices and get them in touch with one of the coaches and have them kind of do an interview with that coach to make sure that they feel comfortable in working with that particular coach. And then we will be getting them start, started with this. I think it's gonna be a great thing. We've had an individual who's kind of championed this, working in the house doing this for a couple of years. And he's been kind of a sole person doing it on his own. And so this takes the practice that he's developed and it's going to expand it for any office that really would like to benefit from something such as this. There will be some offices that may decide they don't want to do it, but we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from offices that they are interested. 
We are also, one other thing, and we, we are also working with the Congressional Management Foundation, and they are developing podcasts for us as well, because we know that members can't really go and sit down in a class for two or three hours. They're just too, too busy to do that. But if we have a podcast that they can listen to that is for the member, or specifically for the member to talk about things that might be helpful to them, we have a series of about seven podcasts that the Congressional Management Foundation is doing for us. We have one already that we've distributed called um, the first episode was the member as CAO, and it talks about how you go about setting the culture, the attitude within your member office and what the member can do to set an example for how he wants the culture to be in his office. Uh, the second one is just on office culture. What does it mean? How do you break it down? The third is the member as manager. The fourth is legislative effectiveness. The fifth is life in Congress coordinating with families. Sixth, is defining your role as a member, and seven, enhancing your communication skills. We are including, or Congressional Management Foundation is on, at our request, past members in the discussions on these podcasts, which we feel like are gonna be just very interesting for them to listen to. They're gonna be short podcasts. We're not talking 15, 20 minutes, it's 10, 15 minute type sessions that you can listen to with people who have been where they are today that can offer some helpful hints and some guidelines on how they handled some of these topic areas themselves. So we are excited about that and we're just excited to be able to do something that will be beneficial to the member and his staff. Catherine Allen, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversations. My guests today are Catherine Spindor, the Chief Administrative Officer in the House of Representatives, and Alan Thompson, the CIO for the U.S. House of Representatives. I'm also joined by my colleague, Jory Heckman. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Catherine Spindor, the Chief Administrative Officer in the House of Representatives, and Alan Thompson, the CIO for the House of Representatives. I'm also joined by my colleague, Dre Heckman. Catherine has all these great ideas. Her, the staff's going out with all these great ideas. Now you get to support it from a technology perspective. So how are you supporting it? How are you helping out? The coaches are, are largely self-sufficient. They have their own site and things like this. Um, the things that I, wa I want to be able to help with, and I'm just kind of going to go with some of the things I have I've planned here is that I want to I want to support them with modern technology in order to be able to do this. So I, I am implementing a chatbot on our intranet sites. It's going to be AI powered, quick to get to an agent if you need to for technology support. But I honestly think that it could be a, a, a nice entryway to any of the CAO services. You just type something, carpet, 
I don't know, furniture move. It should be able to direct you some to some place. It's all about figuring out how to meet the customer where they are and, and how to use various technologies in order to make things easier for them to get to us. Like Catherine mentioned, we have over a hundred services and I just don't think members know this. I don't think their staff certainly don't know all of the things that we can do for them. And, it, and it's a lot. And so I wanna be able to increase the visibility of those things. We're gonna be putting a, a permanent walk-up help desk for technology support in the Longworth building. So, and from there you can get to other CIO services as well. Gonna be doing things like a technology vending machine in the Dunkin' Donuts area or close by where you can get a set of AirPods or just a mouse or a USB-C to USB or a lightning cable, things like this, you know? So it's all about, I think, giving like, the sort of fresh expective of what you would expect if, if you're just out of college and you joined a private sector company, same kinds of things. I mean, like they're already doing these chatbots. I want to integrate our telephony with Teams. So they're, so this, this old Avaya thing on my desk, maybe the newer, younger staff doesn't necessarily is used to do using, right? So they're, they're just going to use their mobile phone and they're going to, they can use teams. So these are all the, the sort of modern things that I'd like to bring to the house and, and support all of those efforts with those types of things as well. Alan, the one thing you didn't mention, so I'm going to bring it up to you is cybersecurity. It's I'm sure uh, the, the, the number one, a one B and one C of your priorities. And given indeed. that the house uh, faces and the members face probably a lot of bad actors and hackers going after them. It makes your job even harder. Can you, uh, Absolutely. With, without obviously spilling the, the beans here, what are some of those steps you're taking around cybersecurity? Ransomware is, is right up there and wiperware now. It's kind of a newer newer threat. Uh, just they don't want any money. They just want to wipe out your data. Uh, we've had some close calls and uh, what we're trying to do here, there's lots of fronts that I, I can't necessarily speak to, but I will say since... How would I put it? So since you know, there was a supply chain attack that was widely, widely reported on and affect a lot of commercial and private sector clients, as well as the government, that was the solar wind supply chain. Then there was the one, the January 6th attack on the Capitol. And that, that precipitated some things, you know, you never let a good uh, crisis go to waste when you want to achieve some, some additional cyber uh, initiatives. And, and we are moving very, very quickly on, on a lot of initiatives in this area. But I will say that we're, we're, we're doing a lot more on awareness campaigns. We have a lot of interest in it, which is great. We have our, our seminars that we host on these are well attended. We are trying to achieve additional consistency in our, our protection of members and their staffs and how, how they manage the hygiene of their devices. And, you know, now that everyone's have has a phone, a laptop and an iPad, and they're traveling all over the place. So we're improving these things and we're doing a lot on, yeah, the consolidation and standardization of our tool sets. So I would have to say, yeah, the enhanced protections that we're putting in for member offices and uh, ransomware just right up at the at the top there. We have a excellent cybersecurity group, and um, they have spent past luckily the past couple of years really enhancing some of the tools they use, particularly for scanning and for identifying potential threats and. Uh, the number of threats that we turn around away every single day from our network is substantial. Constant, yes. Thousands and millions, and it's just unbelievable. But we certainly are in a hyper state at this point, a much heightened awareness state given the world 
situation right now. Catherine Allen, this has just been a fascinating conversation. It sounds like we could actually probably talk a little bit longer, but uh, we will let you go for today and, and say thank you very much. So let me thank my guests. Catherine Spindor is the Chief Administrative Officer in the House of Representatives. Catherine, thanks so much for taking the time today. You're welcome. And Alan Thompson is the Chief Information Officer for the House of Representatives. Alan, thank you as well for taking the time. Thank you, Jason. And of course, my colleague, Jory Heckman. Jory, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you as well. Thanks, Jason. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. At the Home Depot, we have the tools to make your holiday magic in the easiest way possible. With our easy-to-assemble artificial trees, you can have a fully-shaped, realistic tree up in your house within minutes. And you know your holiday look wouldn't be complete without our classic animated Santa that collapses for easy storage. Get free delivery on over 2 million eligible items, and you can spread holiday cheer to the whole neighborhood easily. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.